Every five minutes, someone dies while waiting for a compatible donor heart, liver, or kidney. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists strive to engineer an animal with human-compatible organs, thereby saving millions of lives. But these ancestors are not the docile herd animals they envision. Instead, the project spawns something big, something evil, something hungry. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Real Hauntings Podcast. I'm Noah Daniels. And I'm JJ Crable. And we're here uh, this week with a very good friend, Nick DeGroote. Yeah, thanks yeah. for having me first off. But yeah, yeah ever since I can remember, I've been surrounded by the paranormal and the spooky. I'm super excited. And why, why don't you start off telling us a little bit about yourself, Nick? Sure. So I'm an epidemiologist. That's what I do for work. That's basically my identity. I know a lot of people talk about like, what do you do? And I'm like, that's what I do. So basically I study diseases and the distribution of them and how they affect people. So I work at a pretty large organization that you can probably guess what it is. But right now I work on measles. So that's pretty interesting, especially with all the measles outbreaks right now. Have you seen any ghost measles while you've been there? I mean, only a couple times, but uh, that's like a government secret that I'm not allowed to talk about. Shit. So your your career is, you know, obviously very science oriented. Mm -hmm. Most people in the scientific community would probably be pretty skeptical about ghosts and the supernatural. So how do you kind of reconcile that? I don't. Uh -huh. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I just kind of like ignore it, to be completely honest, because every single day of my life is so analytical. Uh -huh. And I'm like, okay, there's always a reason for everything in the world. There's always a natural explanation for it. And when it comes to ghosts, I'm like, I've just seen them. Like, I don't know how to explain them. I've just seen them. Yeah. And so it's really hard to say like, well, how are you a scientist and also a ghost believer when there's not really any scientific evidence for ghosts? So I just sheepishly ignore that. <laughs> yeah. Ignore that my own life is governed by science and there's not really a scientific foundation for ghosts and why they're here but do you believe in ghosts 100 okay so you i mean i've seen them so it's like i've seen them since i was younger well i think that's great that uh you're willing to own that you've seen the ghosts because i think some people get into the territory of like am i crazy if i believe something that like most people don't believe yeah so i mean do you just you, you were kind of talking about balancing the science and the field that you're in with the supernatural have you experienced people like friends and family where they thought you were crazy because you believe in ghosts no because i'm just so vocal about it <laughs> and i think part of it also goes along with like because i am a scientist and i know science i feel like a lot of my friends think that i have like this authority over anything so i can basically bs people into believing anything half sure. the time i mean on my first day with my boyfriend i basically convinced him that we have a big supply of vaccines and if at any time there's a you know a disease coming out immediately that we get first dibs on it and then i get a plus one for that and he was just completely believing all of it so i think that's why i got a second date but i'm very convincing and i think like the stories that i've had and the experiences i've had i think it's since it's dated back to uh, i think when i was like seven or eight up until literally the last time i've seen a ghost was last fall i think just having all these experiences happen over and over again it's just really hard to you know fight that 
So let's talk about some of those earlier experiences. Mm -hmm. So you used to live in a funeral home, is that right? Yeah. Okay, so So why don't you explain that? With that, it was just a bizarre experience. So I'm from Iowa and basically all my life up until I came to Atlanta, I've lived in really rural, small farm towns. Mm -hmm. And with farm towns, you have death and people dying and all these things. and. So my dad lived in a converted funeral home. And so I would go visit him every other weekend. And I never really thought about the fact that we were living in a funeral home. And now that I think about it today, I can kind of see like, oh, the floor plan, 100% a funeral home. I mean, it was had these giant steps that led outside and there was this big bar that led over the front door and it had a hook on it. And every day I would see it, I'm like, huh, that's weird. And finally I asked my dad and he said, well, that's how they would, you know, get the caskets down from the top floor down to the ground floor into the hearse. And I went, oh yeah, totally. So that's crazy. Just the whole setup just felt uncomfortable. And I think uh-huh. one thing that I know when I can feel something around, and I guess it's just straight up just a feeling, the hairs on the back of my neck start to prick up. All my feelings just feel out of, I don't know. They're just weird. I feel a weird sensation. And basically every time I was at my dad's house, I felt it constantly. And there's this one time, so my grandma owned the building too. She bought it uh-huh. way after it was a funeral home. And in the front of it, there was a cute little flower shop that was giant. And I remember going down there when I was like seven or eight in the dark and there'd just be all these creepy statues in there with flowers and kinds of stuff. And in Halloween, because we live in such a small town, we would have a haunted house there. In the funeral home? In the funeral home, yeah. So technically my father's home, my home. But the setup was interesting because in the flower shop, it was on the ground floor. It had a staircase that led up to this top floor. The top floor was pretty big. And then it just had a door at the far end. And that door opened up into my dad's apartment. Uh Uh-huh. So they would have the haunted house on this side of the the funeral home and I helped set it up because I was really into spooky stuff like that and there was always that door when Halloween was rolling around and the haunted house was going on you could hear people scream and get scared on the other side of the door but I remember so many times when I was growing up it would be like three o'clock four o'clock in the morning I would just hear this knock on that door and I would always try to tell my dad my brother there's nothing what are you talking about and it happened Basically, every time I was there, I just hear like a quiet little knock on that door. And I mean, my dad would go over there, open it up. And he's like, there's no one there. There's no one there. And I mean, there wasn't any way that there could have been something in there. I mean, the entire building's locked, completely mm-hmm. locked. There wasn't like a bird or a squirrel in there. We checked. It's well ventilated. But there would always just be like this quiet little knock on that door. And that's actually where the embalming room was. It was on the other side of that door. Oh, oh wow. So his actual apartment was where they had like the funeral parlor where Mm -hmm. you know people would come and see the body and things like that yeah so i think i don't remember the actual layout i would love to see the blueprints of it but i think our bedroom is where the caskets were so that was kind of my first brush and i was like never really it's like it's not a big deal it's just like a quiet knock and that was my first big experience it's like something's going on and it's kind of ran through our family too i mean my mom has always seen stuff and felt stuff and heard stuff. My sister has. My brother, I think it jumped over him. Oh, jeez. One place in particular, when I was growing up, we moved to the small town called Ruth in Iowa. It had probably 100 people. It was the smallest town you can ever imagine. And I was probably 10 or 11 at this point. And we bought this house from just a realtor. And she told us on the first day... 
you know, the woman who owned the house previously died a couple months ago, just full transparency. And I mean, it was a cheap house, so we bought it. Come to find out, it was actually the train conductor's house. Our house was literally right next to the train tracks. And so if you can just imagine what would come through town, it you would hear all walks of life constantly, just hear trains fly by at all hours of the, the night. So mm-hmm. that house was insanely haunted. I think everyone in our family but my brother has seen stuff and felt stuff in that house. So what was one of the things that you've you've seen? I didn't really see anything in the funeral home. I just kept hearing that knock. The the train house, I have like this insane memory that I've told people, and I guess this kind of goes into your point about some people not believing me, and I didn't really believe it until I started talking to my mom and my sister when I was older, and they're like, well, yeah, we saw stuff too, and they just never told me up until probably like two or three years ago. So I think that kind of really developed me into really truly believing the paranormal, but yeah. There is this experience where it was a small two-floored house. Um, my brother and I lived on the top floor, and it was a pretty open floor plan. When we first moved in, the only thing left in the entire house was just this old wooden rocking chair sitting in the living room. My mom thought it was really cute, so she decided to keep it and leave it in the living room, which, I mean, don't, because it's probably haunted. I just... <laughs> I don't know what's going through her head. It's like every horror movie ever starts with a rocking chair. Exactly. Like a, yeah. And that's why like this doesn't seem real, but I can remember it so vividly. But I remember one night I woke up and I wanted to get a glass of water. And so I walked down the stairs and down the stairs is the living room where we put the rocking chair. My mom still wanted it. And so I just walked right by it, went in the kitchen, got a glass of water and started walking back and just heard this creaking sound back and forth, back and forth. And so I looked over and it was the rocking chair just completely moving on its own, just steady all by itself. And there wasn't a vent anywhere near it. There were no windows open and I just ran because I was so scared. And what I found out was that the woman who owned the house, the train conductor's wife, died in that chair. Oh man. Oh wow. Yeah. Hmm. So I think that I saw her or felt her at some point. And I think that's only more solidified by what my sister has seen. So my sister is probably five years younger than me. And when we moved in the house, she was probably three or four. I didn't find this out until probably like two months ago. My mom was telling me that she would always just talk to someone. She would always say, there's an old lady here. We're talking to her. And I was like, what is she talking about? Cause I mean, you know, kids, yeah. they're young. They always have an imaginary friend. Like right. again, the beginning of a horror story, right. but she would always just talk to this person and she would just say, oh, it's the old lady. It's the old lady. And my mom would be like, yeah, whatever. And then growing up when I heard from my sister and she's like, yeah, I was talking to her. Did you guys not see her? And we're like, no, we never saw her. So I think that also really helps out with the fact that that place was haunted. So she thought for a period of time that there was an actual old lady in the home. Yeah. Whew. She thought it was just like a friendly neighborhood person strolling by, come to hang out with us. Did she ever see this old lady sitting in the rocking chair? She didn't. No one in our family saw besides me. So yeah. yeah. Man. I know. So I'm like ghost skeptic. I just have never really like experienced something that I would describe as paranormal. So I've I just have a hard time believing it. But when, you know, people have stories of like the rocking chair and then later you found out that that had a lot of significance because that the other woman died there. Like things like that just seem either like a very strange coincidence or it it can't be a coincidence, you know? Exactly. And I think that's why I 
I'm such a big believer because again, going back to like my scientific background and, you know, being analytical and having all this evidence, I think when you put these experiences also in the realm of, okay, what actually happened in this place before then, when you start saying, okay, there was an old woman that lived here, she lived here, died here, you know, train conductor's wife, all these things, it's hard to fight that and say that's just a coincidence when it's completely there and just founded by actual, you know, death records and other experiences. Mm -hmm. Is your sister able to describe the old lady she saw or was it more just a general, like I saw an old lady when I was growing up? She just said that she had like long, like her lower back white hair and she would always just wear a nightgown. Mm. And that's all she said. And I mean, Mm -hmm. that town, the town has a lot of weird, creepy lore to it. I mean, like I said, the train ran through it and there's, there's been stories of kids that have been hit by the train and killed and I remember there would be like this urban legend where if you went to the train track next to the school at like 10 o'clock at night on this certain day in July, you would see like this little boy walk along the train track by himself. And then that was a kid that got ran over by a train and I just never did it because I was scared. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I just didn't mess with it. But yeah. I mean, it makes sense because I mean, trains carry everybody. There's so many stories about, you know, murderers that will just like hop on trains and go from town to town to town. Mm-hmm. I think one of like the biggest examples is back in Iowa, there's the Velisca Axe murder house where this man just came through, killed 12 people in a house in the 1800s and just got on a train and left. Huh. Yeah. You can stay there now too, if you want to. Ooh, that could be an episode. It's like $400 and you get to stay there all night and then they come pick you up the next morning. <laughs> Isn't that the same guy that they think went to New Orleans too and then killed a bunch of people, mm-hmm. but they don't know if it's the same one. Yeah. Yeah. And he's been across the country basically yeah. in like Washington, Ohio, all this stuff. They call him the man on the train. So if you had to quantify the number of encounters you've had, what what would you kind of estimate that at? I'd probably say, let's see, five or six. Five I mean, or six. It's infrequent. Yeah. I would say more so the times I've seen something it's only been like once or twice, but the things that the times I felt something and have really been aware of my surroundings, that something around me isn't natural, supernatural. I think far outweigh those times. I can, that's kind of like the hair standing up sort of feeling. Yeah. And And I talked to my mom about this and I don't, again, I don't know how much of this is BS because it's how do you prove this stuff? But any time I go to a place I, and walk through the door, I can almost feel immediately that there's something here or there's been a presence or something's happened in this house. Mm-hmm. That's when those feelings start to happen. I didn't feel it when I walked into this house at all. I could be wrong, but it's happened so many times where I just, as soon as I walk through the door, I just feel this big sensation. Yeah. And it's the same sensation every single time. Do you get, uh, do you have unusual dreams or like deja vu or anything like all that? All the time. Yeah. Constant deja vu. Constant deja vu. Crazy dreams that are just bizarre. It seems to be another thread with people we've seen that have, you know, claim to see ghosts is dreams, deja vu, things like that are pretty present. Is your deja vu ever over anything like pretty significant or is it just like random stuff? Uh, it, it, it varies. I think sometimes it's just random. I know uh-huh. there's a few times where I've had deja vu when I've like had deja vu that I was in a fight like a verbal fight with a friend or a family member and it's actually happened. Yeah. So I think that happens a lot too. It's just kind of back and forth between the two. Yeah. It happens to me all the time. I think 
there's just a lot of strange coincidences in my life that are hard to call them coincidences. I mean, like, there's like this big theory about if you see this number repeatedly, what it means. And I always see my birth date everywhere. Anytime I look at a clock, I feel like it's 6.09 anytime. Yeah. That always happens. My mom has some extra stuff that happens to her. I don't really have this, but she says she always knows when I'm going to call. And she can do it down huh. to like the minute. Like right now I'm about to call. She'll be like, yeah, I knew you were going to call me. And I'm like, how did you know this? And she's like, I just knew. And there's been times where I've thought about calling her and I didn't do it. And then I'll I call her a few days and she's like, were you going to call me on Tuesday? I'm like, yes, how did you know? But I didn't uh, do it. JJ, so, you get that with numbers, right? With 69? You get that a lot? With si- <laughs> uh, especially 69. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. The calling thing is really weird because there's so many instances <laughs> where I will think about somebody and then the phone will ring and it's like, there they are. You know, there's, there's mm-hmm. little instances I think that are so shared around people who yeah. believe in ghosts, don't believe in ghosts, but like deja vu, the calling thing that we just all kind of accept oh, yeah. like, well, that's weird, but it happens. Well, I get deja vu, but it's always over like the randomest thing of like, oh, I feel like, you know, I've had this stupid conversation with someone before. So I've always just kind of been like, well, why would like, it just feels insignificant. Yeah. Those are just weird coincidences, coincidences that happen to me all the time. Just like not being able to say the word. So I'll get a bad thought about something and I'll just try to push it out of my head. Cause yeah. I'm like, I don't want that to happen. I don't want that to happen. I don't want <laughs> You know, it's, it's, it's weird. Life is strange. So what was one of the most vivid encounters you've had? Is it the, the rocking chair experience? No, actually. It was what happened last fall. Okay. It was just a, a bizarre experience all around. So it was my boyfriend's and I's one year anniversary. Congratulations. Thank you. That was in November. <laughs> uh, but we wanted to go to Savannah. And Savannah is like one of the oldest towns in America. I mean, yeah, it's super just haunted. super haunted. Oh, yeah. Over the top haunted. Apparently, like every single building's haunted, stuff like that. And before getting there, I was like, well, let's do some research. Like, let's figure out all these places to go, these haunted places, whatever. And I ended up booking us in the country's oldest hotel called the Marshall House. I wanted to read more about it before we got there. And I read so much about it that I feel like maybe that could have informed what I saw. Mm -hmm. Maybe I was hallucinating because I was reading all about all these ghosts and I just wanted to see it, something like that. But my boyfriend also, felt something and saw something and he's a skeptic. Yeah. So the, the fact that he saw something makes me believe that I was right in what I saw. So we stayed at this hotel and like I said, it's the country's oldest hotel. Like during the civil war, they use it as a hospital. And there's been like all these stories about how at night you can see like a man just walking around without a limb and he's wearing old civil war garb, just like asking for people to help him find his limb. and. The entire basement was where they did all the operating things like that and they have all that sealed off so i was like okay this is gonna be a cool place to stay like that's what we wanted to do for our anniversary <laughs> stay in a haunted hotel nice. so already i was like primed for that but yeah so we were in this room at the very end of the hall it was a pretty big room and when i was walking through different areas of the hotel i would start to get that feeling i was talking about around the corner, there's this this big empty hallway. And every time I walked by it, just almost immediately, I would feel that feeling in the back of my neck. And it's Mm -hmm. almost, I almost felt nauseous. Every single time I'd walk in the hallway, I would feel it. So I was like, it feels like something's here. And I felt that throughout the town too. So I don't think it wasn't just necessarily the building itself. I mean, there's different parts of the town that are just wildly haunted. And 
have some horrible history associated with it. Yeah. Almost, there was like a, a really bad, I don't, you probably know about this as an epidemiologist, but I heard there was like a really bad outbreak of some deadly disease. It was yellow called, fever. Was it yellow mm-hmm. fever? And they like ran out of room in the cemetery. And so now like uh-huh. most of the houses in historic uh, Savannah just have people buried underneath yep. <laughs> the yards of the, the houses. I know, it's just insane. It's yeah. the entire city, you just feel it. I don't know, as a skeptic, like, have you been there before? I have not. I think that needs to be another episode. We, we <laughs> another field do trip a field trip like to a Savannah. Live field trip? Yeah. I think you should. It's a great town, but with our experience itself. So um, that first night, like I said, we were in this big room and the way it was situated was like the big bed was in the corner. We could see the door and next to the door was this old fabric chair. And then on the other side of it was this giant cabinet that you would put clothes in like a big wardrobe and this chair had a high back just tacky basically uh-huh. <laughs> and i just i didn't feel anything in the room at first it's like okay there's nothing in here we're good my boyfriend even said do you feel anything i'm like no i'm good i'm good so we fell asleep and i remember waking up at like i want to say like 2 30 or something like that and i just felt this immense sense of dread just paralyzing and I was I just was so scared to even look up I was laying down and I stared at the ceiling and I was just like don't look over don't look over don't look in the corner that's all I kept saying in my head and I didn't know why I was saying that and I somehow got the courage and just leaned forward a little bit and then that's when I saw him he was just this old man sitting in the chair he's wearing like probably 1800s clothes he's wearing a big like fluffy hat i don't know how to describe it it was like a war hat but like <laughs> i don't know how to describe it any better than like a war hat like um he had a big pea coat on big boots and was sitting there and then he was smoking and i could see like smoke come up behind him and i just saw like when he breathed in i would see like the ring of the 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 cigarette when it was lighting and he was breathing in and i just was so scared and he just stared right back at me did it look translucent what? or like fully formed as a person? It was translucent. I could oh, see wow. through him a bit behind like that tacky chair. I could see the tacky fabric, but I could still see fully formed. He was wearing his peacoat, that hat, those boots. And he was smoking. He was just sitting there, like both his feet on the ground, one hand in the air, just smoking, just staring right at me. How long did this go on for? <sighs> Probably two minutes, I want to say. And at that point, I just told myself, lie back down, don't look at it, and go try to go to sleep. Ugh. Yeah, because I was just so scared. <laughs> I didn't yeah. know what to do. And I just, like I said, I just felt dread from it. And I knew that wasn't a good feeling. And it, whatever it was, I'm assuming it wasn't a good spirit just because of that horrible feeling. And I was just so sick to my stomach. And I just laid down there and just grabbed my boyfriend's leg and just tried to fall asleep. And eventually I did. Uh-huh. So the next morning we went to brunch and I asked him, I was like, did you see anything last night? He's like, no, but I felt something really weird. I was like, what do you feel? And he's like, well, I woke up at like 2.45, 3 o'clock in the morning and I just felt sick to my stomach and just like horrible like this. And I was like, did you feel like a sense of dread? And he's like, yes, exactly, dread. I just felt dread. And he's like, I was just too scared to look up and I was just so scared and he's like I just fell back asleep and I didn't know what it was and I just thought it was a bad dream wow Hmm. yeah that's really 
really bizarre. And I guess, I, so as a skeptic, I'm like <laughs> very much uh, prone to think like, okay, well, you know, you, you knew you were going to a very haunted city and staying in a haunted hotel. And I'm kind of thinking like, all right, well, maybe like, maybe like, you know, our minds can just kind of be primed to see things like that if we're expecting things like that. But the fact that you and your boyfriend both had that very similar sensation that same night, unless it was just like, I don't know, did you eat like bad crab meat or something in Savannah and like had some indigestion? It could happen. But again, as a scientist, my first thought was, what did I eat? I mean, what did I eat that made me hallucinate a creepy old man from the Civil War just staring at me at three in the morning? Yeah. I mean, how do you rationalize that, JJ? I don't know. I that's the, there's literally so many uh, people we've talked to and stories we've heard that I'm just like I don't I don't have a rational answer for that. I don't know if that necessarily I don't I think have not having a lack of a rational answer doesn't necessarily mean that ghosts exist. But you know I don't I don't think I can discount anyone's story. JJ, so. what would you do if you woke up and saw a creepy Civil War guy smoking a cigarette? Oh man. I, part of me thinks I would be like excited just because I like want to be able to believe that ghosts exist because I think that's awesome. And, you know, I feel like in a way I'm like missing out on something because everyone has these weird experiences and I'm just like, oh, I don't know. I stayed at a hotel once that I got like some very bad vibes from, but I think that was just because it looked exactly like the hotel in The Shining. Uh, I didn't like see anything that convinced me it was more than just yeah. something going on in my head. But that's interesting to say that because I've heard a lot of different people that say, you know, especially people that believe in the paranormal and have seen ghosts and believe in spirits and things like that, that they didn't start seeing them when they wanted to. It was always uh-huh. when they did not want to see them. They didn't want to see them or they weren't expecting it to. And every time they were trying to find them, it just wouldn't happen. Oh, interesting. So, hmm. Yeah, like I said, I preface this by saying I did all this research into a very haunted hotel, so that could have primed my brain to see something like that. But just that feeling, like, I'm trying to think of a scientific reason for why my body reacted the way it did and why it felt just that sense of dread and sadness. Like, it was like feeling like you were getting your heart broken at the exact minute it happened and then just wanting to throw up too. Wow. Yeah, I don't think I want that experience. It was horrible. (laughs) Yeah, I just, I feel like I know myself pretty well at this point, and I know what I can handle and what I can't, and Mm. I don't know if I have a compartment in my brain for a scary, creepy Civil War ghost guy smoking a cigarette. Yeah, I don't know either. (laughs) That's why I'm sharing it. I think I've told just my boyfriend, obviously, and a couple other people, and it's been the people that are receptive to these things, and they're like, that's crazy, like, I totally believe it, and reading some other stories from other people online that have stayed in this hotel. They've seen very similar things. I was going to ask you that, yeah. And it, I didn't read these stories before. I read them after. Right. So I don't think that was priming my brain either for me to make all this up in my head. I mean, how similar were some of these other stories? They didn't, like, the things that I read weren't, like, insanely specific to what I saw. They uh-huh. just see, like, they would see different people wearing Civil War garb in their room, different areas of the hotel, things like that. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, and it was just, I just felt uneasy throughout the whole place. What's up everyone, Noah Daniels here. You just heard Nick describe what it's like to grow up in a funeral home and then be visited by a Civil War ghost. If you thought that was good, stay tuned for part two next Monday where Nick's mom shares one of the scariest first-hand accounts of a ghost story we've ever heard. Keep it spooky, friends. 
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.